we're back and we have uh, Lawin, Connie Nagel sitting around the table with us uh, and of course the lovely David P. Curtis. These guys have been off painting for the last couple of weeks so uh, and if you saw the, uh, one of the episode that we posted with a picture of them painting with their friend Tommy Heinsohn, did you guys have a, a good trip? Did we, we did. get lots of good work? Yes, yes actually. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. That's great. And Tommy this, kept us in line. I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this work is going to be uh, in an exhibition at um, a location to be disclosed in Kittery, in Kittery Point. Kittery Point on September 29th, which I believe is a Saturday. So uh, we'll be promoting that a little more in the future, so stay tuned. If you would like to see some of this work, we'll tell you how you can get an invitation. So, without further ado, because I know that uh, the kids here are anxious to get out and paint today, let's get right into our topic of the day, practice, practice, practice. And we all know the old adage that practice makes perfect. Or, as Vince Lombardi said, practice does not make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. Now, I don't know whether there's such a thing as... Um, such such perfection that you get a perfect painting at the end of it. We'll be asking Connie and David whether after all these years of practicing uh, the art of plein air painting, whether they've ever got the perfect painting. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to, Connie made a, a remark earlier on, and I just wanted to um, have a talk about this a little bit. Connie, and I might be paraphrasing here, but mm. you were talking about that when you go out, you've been going out not specifically to make pictures or paintings, but you've been going out and looking for scenes, but you're not trying to render the scene, but looking at how you can interpret it as uh, an interesting design. Right. Uh, so right. could you talk a little sure. more about that thought process? So... So this has actually been happening for me uh, throughout the summer. It was probably started in the spring. Is that um, because of my readings and uh, an understanding of the design, uh, the concept of design in plein air painting, I um, I've been going out, uh, and when I uh, decide on the scene in front of me. I, I decide on it because of certain aspects, certain elements in the scene. And then throughout the time that I'm painting, I'm constantly looking at the entire scene, not to render it per se, which is to say, oh, I did really like that tree there with the, with the stone wall. Instead, I might say tree and stone wall are in my piece, but there's all sorts of other things that, uh, so it's sort of like I take a panoramic view constantly. I'm looking at, wow, this bird over here could be nice in the scene. I could have this. I could have some kind of cloud formation that I see that's maybe toward the north or, you know, it's it's outside of my my scene at the time. But I put it in into the composition. So in... What I'm saying is that I'm practicing design and color. Mm -hmm. And that's probably a, a good way to do it. If you're just going out to, to look for a perfect location and then just, just trying to paint it, as you say, per se, do, are you losing something? Are you losing something of the artistic creativity uh, that you can bring to a, a scene? Well, one of the things, too, that I was thinking about um, 
in terms of practicing like opening up to what is going on in mm-hmm. front of the scene to complement your yeah. piece is um, it's more forgiving, I think, to the artist. Yeah. Like the artist is not in with this onus of, oh, I must get that scene correct. Mm-hmm. And I think when I first started plein air painting, I used to think about the time of day and the lighting effect and all this kind of stuff and trying to capture that. And um, and it's it's good to try to capture that, but I think uh, it's more uh, exciting and and maybe as I said before, forgiving to to the artist to try to you know put a put together a good composition, yeah, a good design. Okay. And uh, I think a good design uh, happens regardless of uh, what the lighting, how much the weather has changed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. David, you've had an artistic license for many, many years now uh, because having I'm grown up in an artistic family, I'm sure you, see your you were aware of what your father was doing. I'm sure he gave you some, some good advice when you were a, a youngster, you know, watching at his knee. Uh, he told studio. me to date you. <laughs> well, I told you, smart man, very smart man. Um, but when when you go out painting, what is it that that you're looking for? I I know you've been doing since you were ill. You you got back into painting by doing a lot of these twelve sixteens, whereas before you were doing these big giant canvases. Is the fact that you're going out and just trying to get that that quick look, that a la prima look, uh, has that helped you um, in, in composing the painting? Well, well, it's nice that you mentioned composition. I just wanted to reiterate what Connie was saying, follow up on that. Mm-hmm. And um, the, uh, uh, the idea that, well, since Connie and I have uh, sort of uh, created this site and insight partnership, I think we've also been doing a lot of critiquing of each other's works. And um, uh, Connie's able to look at one of my pieces and find the thing that's most wrong in the painting. So uh, we've been spending probably the last, and this sort of goes hand in hand with with my uh, idea of doing little sketches, practicing little sketches, Mm -hmm. trying to capture the moment. As Monet said, you got to paint a 20-minute period of time. But um, I really feel that these 12, 16, and practicing now, I'm in my second year of just... Trying to do one per... T- I, I've gotten better. I've gotten better at the design. Uh, and I think that's an important part of this. So if if I go out and I'm consciously thinking in the back of my head, this is sort of an agreement Connie and I had that we would do this practice, practice, practice. Uh, but we'd be practicing things like the elements of design. What makes a good design? What makes an interesting design? Um, I did a demonstration for the class recently in which I tried to show that a straight line and a curved line placed in the right place on your canvas can make an interesting painting. Just a one straight line and a curve around the base of that straight line. And I painted a tree sitting in a meadow. And it was, uh, and it was the color of the field that went around the base of the tree to make the curve next to the straight line. They're opposites. It's, so we've been practicing, deliberately practicing. I suppose I've been doing this more than thinking about the results of a painting because they, mm-hmm. it took all the pressure off me to say it's a sketch 
Well, this right. is just a sketch. It's just a practice. It's not um, something that I'm going to put in a frame and enter it into an ma annual uh, major competition. It's just to go out and practice. And since I've been practicing, I think Connie's just said that, since she's been practicing, I, I've, I see a progress. I see actual progress and not just trying to repair the painting for, a sh for an exhibition, but trying to go out and find something new, discover new things through this practicing. I believe um, one of the great pianists of all times, Horowitz, was um, was always into doing the scales, practicing, practicing, practicing. And it was that practice that um, made it. Uh, and if it's uh, Vince Lombardi, I don't remember seeing any great paintings by Vince Lombardi, <laughs> but he's probably right. Yeah, I you have to practice with something, yeah. some purpose. I think he goes back to the Renaissance. Oh, is that <laughs> I suppose, you know, when you think about something like Tom Heinsohn, I know I've seen, seen a number of his paintings, and he's very good, and somehow you don't expect somebody that's as big as Tom to be able to mm. sit down there and create um, a painting uh, with sort of these, I hate to say, delicate nuances in, in his painting, because he's such a big guy, but he does have a, a, a great touch with the brush, and but as a basketball player, he must have practiced constantly because it's only by working out either on your own or shooting baskets or working with your teammates that you ever get anywhere. So practice is very important no matter what, right. uh, what profession you're and in. Actually, I think he uses 20-foot brushes. 20-foot brush, probably neither. Well, he could wield mm -hmm. a 20-foot brush when you think about it. Now, you know, speaking of Tommy also, I mean, he, his ears might be burning. Um, <laughs> is that uh, he practices uh, sketching. Mm. So he sketches. It's not, it's not my uh, skill or practice, but, um, but he is always sketching prior to mm -hmm. painting. Yeah. And, and again, that's something that somebody might want to do um, and, and might want to take up as a practice. Yeah. I think um, one of the, I was going to mention too, another practice that I'm been doing is color spotting. Mm -hmm. And, and um, it's, it's exciting. I think when we're talking about this whole, on this podcast about practice, 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 um, one of the things that, that uh, comes to my mind when I hear the, that term practice, I always think, oh, you know, ugh. You know, that it's a real, like, onus that you have to practice over and over again. But uh, the way I'd like to approach this is that it's it's a matter of discovery mm -hmm. that that uh, because of the the two practices that I'm talking about that I'm currently doing in in plain air painting are uh, exciting for me mm -hmm. and and the second one is color spotting and it is uh, after I've got my scene in front of me I'm already set up I'm I'm painting away I I put down the the colors both light and dark. So I'm not going with a prescription of I must get my darks in, then I layer it with something else, then I do my sky and I, uh, and I slowly go down. I'm not doing that. I'm going all over the canvas with both the lightest light, the mid light, the, uh, but, but the color notes. 
And for me, it's uh, it's sort of like a little zippity doo dah, <laughs> and and uh, and I think that you know you could be dancing around your easel, you know, pretty soon. So so um, so practice can can become an exciting event. Yeah, I think. I, I think perhaps a lot of students think that yeah, practice. Who wants to practice? Everybody wants to go out there and get the, the beautiful painting that you can put in a nice gold frame and sell it and then move on to the next right. one. You don't realise that there's a lot of work that goes into it. And so uh, I know um, John Singer Sargent said, you can't do sketches enough. You've got to sketch everything and keep your curiosity fresh. But when, you, when it comes to teaching students, do you think that they're more concerned with not going out and, say, sketching trees, a whole bunch of trees to practice your... That, they, they don't see practice as a, a step towards creating a fabulous painting. They're too busy. Do they think it's formulaic? It's like practicing the flute, Connie. I know that you were <laughs> working yeah. on that. And you have to practice. You have to make sure your fingers are manipulative and you have to know the scales and the notes. Um, and it is, it's a lot of hard work, I should think, is practice. So when you're talking about practice for an artist, um, it, I would think that that's a slightly different thing. You could go out and, and just practice sketching and you're still going to get a, a good painting at the end of it, hopefully. Um, no, no, I, I think you're right. I think this, sometimes the student is uh, trying to complete the whole thing. Yeah. But that's part of it, too. I mean, that mm -hmm. is true that... Uh, there's nothing wrong with whatever uh, somebody beginning uh, doing. Uh, if I said practice to them <clears throat> and they're saying, no, I don't want to practice, I want to do a complete piece because I want to get it in a show, uh, I would understand that as well. I mean, that's part of the what we're trying to do. I think the practice, like I mentioned, could take the pressure off you a little bit. So you don't have to do a finished painting. You don't have to. I'm painting on a canvas board. It's not precious. It's not a piece of Belgium linen that is, is going to be held and make sure I make every brush stroke count. I can sort of let go a little bit and see what, and as Connie said, experiment a little bit. Try new things, new ways. Um, I, I, I'm hoping that by doing these sketches that um, I'm going to come out at the other end through all this practicing of, of sketching, that I, I'll have a better understanding of how to do a better landscape. Yeah. It's, um, I, was, I had a great question to ask you just then, and it suddenly just fell off into a big black hole. So um, I don't know. So I was going to also <coughs> mention something about that practice leads to uh, more self-control. Like... Um, when like, we like a doctor? Yeah. <laughs> when, a surgeon? <laughs> well, sort of. I mean, I would hope that they have control, the surgeons. Um, but, but when I say control, I, I, I think that the more you practice, like, like color spotting, let's say, that I was just talking about, the more you're apt to have some control over, you say, you look out there and say, wow, that, that's a rich, deep blue water that I see and I, I begin to understand how to make that you know I may uh, because I've been practicing it you know I've been practicing a color spotting for water maybe in prior practices and and so it it leads to a sense of uh, of uh, competence I believe yeah 
competence or competence? <laughs> well, both. Oh, that yeah. was that, a little merge. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I, I think that's very true. I, I think the practicing is. I think it's more important than finishing. I mean, yeah. I would imagine the really nuts and bolts of this would be the portrait artist who gets a commission yeah. to do a, a great portrait of, um, of the husband or wife or the daughter or the child. And, the and um, of course, the parents are the first ones to critique it. They don't know anything about painting or art, but they know everything about the, the one, the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that must be very frustrating for the artist to be uh, on that, on that uh, threshold of, um, uh, of mm-hmm. selling the painting, you might say, and then waiting for the results of the people who, that they have to like it. And you can get comments like, well, my, um, my daughter would never have a hair out of place like that. Or um, I remember seeing a por- portrait gentleman did, uh, Robert Cormier, I think, painted a portrait of a young girl. And he decided to put a streak in her hair, a colored streak. And this had been done, this was probably in the 90s when that sort of thing was <laughs> hip or, you know, in. And it was a, I think she, she, the girl was blonde and she had a blue, one blue streak in her hair. And that made the portrait really yeah. great. And he was smart enough to make sure that the girl did put that piece of dye in her hair in that one place. And organized it, and then the parents, as soon as they saw, oh, that's just like her. You know, so of course it was successful. But um, I, I, I think that that when when it's all on the line for you when you're painting, I, th- that's very tough. I, I enjoy the life of a landscape painter. I can paint what I want, yeah. and if I feel it's up to my, you know, likings, uh, put find a frame for it and put it in a show. Um, but I think it's uh, I think it's uh, I think uh, I think the idea behind practice is to get away from that uh, pressure that you're putting on yourself and go out and enjoy painting for a yeah. time. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I think agree. that's right. I just remembered what the question was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, something about it. Um, you were doing these twelve sixteens, and I know you've been going out and painting up a storm recently. And you come home and you show these, and I think, wow, those are really good, and they're done. You know, in a, in a brief time, as you say, they're sketches, so you're taking away the pressure of you've got to come back with a completed painting that's going to be good enough to frame and put in a gallery. But the problem I notice is that you come back and you think, yeah, well, I don't like this bit, or I don't like that, or I should have moved this. And you take those those sketches out again and paint over them, which is, I know you say it's good to paint over another painting because it builds up the surface and it's easier to paint on. My problem is that sometimes you paint over the ones that I really like. Uh, And so it's it's very subjective. You look at something and it's something about it bothers you. You don't feel that it's it's up to your standard and therefore you you paint over it. Um, So do you think that by going over these, do you really lose... You know, you lose that original sketch, but you might go out and you might think, well, I could do that, but it needs a bit to the right or a bit to the left or a bit top and bottom, and you can change it, or you can even take those original sketches and blow them up into a larger piece. Yeah, I I think it's flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Flex. (laughs) I think you also brought up a point, Judy, about um, critiquing, uh, because I'm thinking about... When we do bring our practice sketches in, 
you know, it's real important to critique. Yes. To critique each other's paintings as well as learn to critique your own paintings. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, again, a a practice that I've been developing a lot lately is... um, Sitting around, I do it in the morning, actually. I put the painting up in my living room and sit with a cup of coffee, and I look at it for a while, and I'll say... In fact, there was a recent one that I painted with Tommy and David um, in Newcastle, and I realized that it had this big sort of... um, this green triangle in the middle of the piece. Mm -hmm. And I thought, whoa, that doesn't work in this piece. But I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't relaxed, put the painting in front of me, mm. and sat with a cup of coffee and, and just take a gander yeah. at, at what I'm doing and in a relaxed manner, mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that's not, I got to get this thing together, I got to yeah. pull it together. I'm not or thinking being that way. Critical, uh, or or super critical. Down, or, yeah. Exactly. It's just like, what, what works in this? What doesn't work in this? So I think those questions are really important and and part of the practice motif. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just as a test, uh, Connie and I have, uh, if she goes out paints and wants a critique, she'll mail it to me, and I do the same. And I think one of the most recent ones, I had looked at the piece before I sent a, an image off to Connie, and I looked at and I found mistake one, two, and three obvious mistakes in that order that had to be corrected in the piece. And, uh, and so when I got the letter back from Connie with the critique, there they were, one, <laughs> two, three. It was, it's uncanny. Great minds and, think alike. And, and you're, I'm always in the state of, I can't believe that somebody else is thinking exactly this uh, visual. So I do think there's a lot of truth in, in this idea of critiquing. And I, I think the, the fresh, my teacher used to call it the fresh guy with the fresh eye. Just don't be too fresh, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but it is, it is that fresh eye that you're looking for. And sometimes, I think when my dad gave me a lot of critiques, it was something I absorbed and took in and then would go back out and when I painted a new painting to try, experiment with what he would just made yeah. the comments on yeah. to try it with the new piece. Yeah. And, and therefore, I, I think that's what's important. Is, yeah. is, um, for in, the other thing that dawns on me about practice is that that's how I got started. I think I told this story the last time that I decided I wanted to be a landscape painter, not a studio painter. And when I realized after my first year of efforts that they were pretty missing of a lot of parts that I felt would be important to nature. So I went out and practiced. And um, we are doing a workshop. Uh, practicing the elements of nature is very important, whether it's trees or rocks or the ocean. Uh, we can always practice, you know, how do you get the sheen on water? How do you get the surface glow? I always admired still lifes because brass looks like brass. Copper looks like yeah, copper. Porcelain, mm-hmm. yeah, they get the feeling of the texture in all the items. And I think that's a great challenge to a, a landscape painter is how do you make water look like it's shiny, you know, like reflective and shiny? Uh, how do you get sand to look like it's, you know, ancient glass or whatever it is, you know? How do you do these things? And I, and I think those are, those are things that if you go out and you want to practice those things rather than setting up for an official painting, mm. portrait painting of nature, 
I I think it's it's invaluable. Is that right? Invaluable. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you can what, what the results are. And to be honest with you, some of the sketches that I've been doing over the past ten years, uh, two years, I uh, have been sold. And uh, people like them, so I've been framing them yeah. and selling the sketches. They do. They have a nice, fresh look. Isn't that what Ala Prima is? It's a sketch mm-hmm. that is done in a certain time and left alone, that right. you're not fiddling with it in the studio or anything like that. Um, and I do think that they, when you bring them in, they do have that real fresh look to them. They were right. done. They were, they were, they're not laboured over. They're not, the detail is not so much that it's been picked apart because sometimes... You can see a, an artist who's done a beautiful painting, but when you look at it, your first thought is, that's really nice. And then you look at it and you realise it's tight. There's so it's much, too objective. Yeah, there's so much photorealism in yeah. it, or they've, they've, they've sucked all the life out of it. Yes, that was, that's very true. <laughs> uh, Connie recently did a piece that she sent to me for a critique. And it was really, uh, you talk about practicing, uh, and this is a very unusual subject matter. And it hap- we were out painting together, three of us out painting together, in this, uh, near Portsmouth, uh, the Piscataway River, and in comes this enormous tanker, red, bright red tanker with three tugboats pushing, pulling, whatever, the big ship was pulling it. Anyway, it was enormous, and it just, uh, it just overtook everything. <laughs> And uh, Connie was all excited, but the boat just moved so fast. Um, the next day, or day next day, you did a little sketch of remember. remembering what that looked like. But it was the yeah, design. The oh. It was the design of it that made it. I mean, if, when I looked at it, I saw a pleasing design. Yes. Didn't see the subject matter. Yeah, that, I didn't exactly. see a big ship first off, or a bridge, yeah, or anything. Fabulous. It's the colors yeah. and then the design. I just moved, moved, moved around that yeah. painting so quickly, and didn't care, realizing that it was the pleasing arrangement of shapes and colors that made that painting worth looking at. And that dawned on me that that's sort of one of the things you've been working on, right? Yeah, you mean the color spotting? Color and, spotting. Yeah, yeah. But but the other thing you remind me of um, the the idea of um, photograph because I did take a photograph while that was going oh, on. Oh, that's not allowed. Then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people take photographs, but. Uh, I want to put a plug in for this, you know, outdoor versus studio painting and, and bringing something back in and looking at the photograph or looking at the monitor of your computer and, and saying, well, this is what it looked like. Well, I think that um, that uh, what I do is that I I get the feel that I had before when I was standing out there actually taking that photo. And all it does is help me to realize, okay, the, the tanker looked a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and I can, again, pick and choose. I think because of the practice that I have been into lately about picking elements in the scene that augment the piece... That's all I'm doing when I look at a photograph, too. Uh, so it's the photo- more of a memory aid than you're, you're not yeah. copying the photo. So the photograph doesn't become the sine qua non, you know, yeah. the, the apex of the thing. It becomes just a tool. It's, again, another tool like a brush is or, or you know, my colors. Um, so um, 
And, and I think it helps you. I think the more that you practice outdoors, the more that you don't lean on photographs. Yeah. Well, that's know? why I said so. That I but I just wanted to put a plug in. It around wouldn't make any difference whether you did yeah. or not. But it, it, the painting did not look like I said when I looked well, at. Well, it was a photograph. I didn't yeah. see a picture of a boat. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. that's what I liked about it. Yeah. Actually, it was the red note and the yeah. psychology of color again mm-hmm. played a part. I saw the red first, almost subconsciously, yeah. and then I saw these typical of me. I, would, I saw these uh, these squares or rectangles of white mm-hmm. that led me to the turret house yeah. of the big ship, and then I, it just moved right around the painting. No, it was really it was really uh, amazing, and uh, that brings up a good point because you're you're talking about. The work that can be done in the studio. Um, and I think, too, for me, I'm not a big one to use reference photos. Um, mm-hmm. I think the only reason for using reference photos is to try to remember the drawing. Yes, I but agree with that. I was, yeah. uh, I was lucky. I, again, my dad, when, he was, uh, when we were kids, uh, my two older brothers and I were the people, he had to organize art shows. And, of course, we were the ones who could love 60, 70, 80 paintings <laughs> for him to put up an art show was, the, was us. But we would drive along the highway, and he would say, okay, there was a house uh, half a mile back. What color was it? How many windows did it have? What color were the shutters? What, was it, what, what features were on the uh, front of the house and things like that? And I thought it was just a fun game we were playing. But it trained my memory. And I realized how strong the memory is, visual memory. Um, and I pra- used to practice a lot of, if I went out and painted on location, when I returned, could I imagine or picture the image in which I was just at, the scene I was just doing? And could I picture it? Not only could it appear back in my mind's eye, but the wind was there too. Uh, some of those in subtle That's elements were in the dream or hallucination <laughs> or vision or whatever it is. And so I, I think it's, I think for any painter that returns quickly and enters the studio, I think Hibbert did this for that reason, that it, it was fresh in his memory, to continue working on the piece, even though he couldn't do it outdoors, and do some things to it that would not only improve the composition, which enables you to concentrate more on the painting itself, mm-hmm. um, but it brings in your imagination, it brings in your 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 memory skills, uh, but basically it boils down to what we've been talking about, that design and color are probably simultaneously as important as each other in yeah. a painting. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all very interesting, I and mean, we're coming to a close here, but there is just uh, one comment I would like to uh, throw out to you. Uh, as uh, Malcolm Gladwell said, success has to do with deliberate practice. Practice must be focused, determined, and in an environment where there's feedback. So I suppose uh, you could put that into um, terms of a, a workshop so that students are focusing on things for you know, three days, five days, and they're getting plenty of practice and sketching in, uh, and you've got to be focused and determined during that time. But there's also feedback in that environment, uh, not only from the instructors, uh, but also from um, other other students right. in the class. Right. And I know that you're going to be uh, doing a workshop up in Maine, David, and that the two of you are doing a site and insight workshop 
um, October skies, obviously mm -hmm. in October. The 10th. Uh, the 10th, okay, yes. 10th, 11th, and 12th. So mm -hmm. um, that's... Three-day workshop, and it's just the element of, uh, I, we call it aerial perspective, but it's basically uh, designing your skies and clouds, which we think is one of the most important elements of, um, of uh, finding nature's elements to apply to a landscape. Yeah. I, I think if you can do, I think it fits you Lane, one of the great uh, Gloucester mm -hmm. painters. Fitz Henry Lane. Uh, fits uh, Henry Lane. I, I always like Hugh. I know, I think Hugh. Because uh, of color, right? Yeah. Hugh, color. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but it's one-third to two-thirds proportion mm -hmm. in most of his landscapes. Mm. One-third land, two-thirds sky. And I think that that's very true, that skies are probably the most important. And I think uh, between Connie's insight into uh, capturing a feeling that they see in the sky and something very dramatic, overstating it a little bit, mm -hmm. Connie's very good at this. And I'll, I'll be there to help with the modeling of uh, clouds. And, and, and we have a little bit of a speed-up technique to help people uh, if they want to try it, uh, to help them establish a sky design. Yeah, well, that sounds great. And uh, I know your critiques have always been fabulous. Maybe you should be offering online critiques to people as well. Maybe we could think about that for the future. That's a good idea. Good However, idea. before we uh, close up shop here and uh, get going with the rest of the day, um, I hope that absence made the heart grow fonder and that you missed us uh, during the last two weeks. And if you did, and if you realise how important it is to have our conversation in your lives, uh, could we ask you to uh, subscribe to the podcast? Uh, and if you can rate it and review it on iTunes, that would be great too. Let's get the word out there to, uh, to all those art lovers, because art is so important, especially today. There's a lot of angst out there, but... I think art is a great leveller and we could do with some of those, um, those moments in our lives where we could just sit and look at nature or look at an artist's impression of nature and just lose ourselves in that. And don't forget, practice makes perfect and a painting a day keeps the doctor away. So thanks for listening. See you next week. Have a great one. Mm -hmm.